0: And welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Metri today. Mark is a Forbes-featured keynote speaker. He's appeared in the Amazon Prime documentary series. Mark's host of the top 100 podcasts, Humans 2.0, with a huge 50 million downloads. He interviews renowned world-class humans such as Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Holmes, Tim Ferriss, and many more across the 500 episodes plus he's done so far. He's a best-selling author of Screw Being Shy. Um, he's an international TEDx keynote speaker, a podcast and LinkedIn strategist, and also international keynote speaker. Mark, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing?
1: Sam, dude, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for reading off that, um, that, uh, that super interesting intro. I, I try my best to be those things, and uh, yeah, just a normal guy trying to live through interesting times, trying to be as helpful as I can for people.
0: Thanks, mate. And uh, looking forward to our chat today. So there's, there's a lot I want to cover with yourself, Mark. I'd really love to learn your story. So how you got to where you are now and some of the lessons that you learned along the way. We want to learn your top business growth strategies. So some of the strategies you've utilized to do some of the awesome things that I've just read through there in terms of building up your podcast, releasing a number one book and, and many more. And your top or ultimate, rather, digital marketing strategies. So some of the main channels that you've honed in and to, to be such a success. So if we could start from the top, Mark, if we could learn a bit more about yourself, where you grew up, and just a bit more about how you got into the business world, please, my friend.
1: Yeah, of course. So for me, uh, my parents, my is originally from Egypt, and right, they immigrated okay. to the US, to America, Uh, like a year or two before I was born. And they came to this country with um, like $200 in their pocket, didn't speak the language. So I'm very much like a a first generation American, Uh, didn't have any kind of connect connections, no network, nothing like that. And um, I remember growing up as a kid, just being a super crafty kid, like trying to I collect different kinds of baseball cards, Pokemon cards, trying to sell those, just trying to like, just collect, like just some random kid, like doing some really interesting stuff. And, um, for me, I ran into some, uh, some struggles relating towards, uh, social anxiety, uh, mental health, physical health. When I was around like 10, 11 years old that, uh, that definitely placed a lot of boundaries on my life, definitely influenced my life now that I've gone older and I'm looking back at it today. And uh, you know, one of the ways that I was just coping through that, um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of friends, wasn't really a part of many group activities, um, kind of got the tail end of uh, a lot of racism, things like that. One of the ways that I was coping with that was, I remember I got my first summer job when i was like 11 or 12 and uh, i saved up enough money and i bought a phone and i also bought like a little laptop and ever since then i've just like been using the internet to either learn to start like different websites i began to learn how to code apps when the iphone first came out uh, i had uh, like some youtube channels when i was a kid like way back in like 2011 that I think one of them had like 35,000 subscribers. And I just did like so many like little random things. That's and, pretty good, um, man. So, what was, yeah. the,
0: what was the first job that you had that you, you got the cash flow to, to do these things with?
1: Uh, I was literally swept floors and did the dishes at a pizza store. <laughs> oh, really? Sounds like a yeah, tough Yeah, I made uh, $3 an hour. <laughs> cool.
0: That was tough. So, you saved up, um, you worked through that and saved up a, enough money to, to get yourself a phone some computer stuff and you started a YouTube channel. 35K is not a bad subscriber limit, especially for for a young kid. It's pretty decent.
1: Especially back then too. (laughs) Like YouTube, YouTube wasn't even YouTube. Like there was maybe, nobody had like over a million followers or subscribers. Um, I remember like when I told people about it, they were like, Wait, you post videos of yourself on the internet? It was just like a crazy thing. Even though I'm still a young guy, I still remember when that was just so foreign and it was just so weird to a lot of people. It wasn't in the mainstream, but now everyone you know, is doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, probably the first, uh, the first real uh, venture that I had was pretty successful was I ended up starting this little community, this Minecraft server. Okay. In two thousand and thirteen, when I was about fifteen years old. And um, you know, honestly, long story short, after like a year, it became the world's number one Minecraft server. I started making like six figures. We had like ten million people on our website. It was like some crazy thing. That was Amazing. probably the first time that was like my first little successful venture. And like that opened up a lot of other things in my Not life. Not bad first venture then. Yeah, no, definitely not. That's not at a, all. It's pretty fun too. That
0: does sound really fun, dude. I've, I've never played Minecraft. But I've got friends that, that have played it and it looks like quite a cool game. So how were you able to make that into such a success and, and make it turn over six figures? Because that's amazing, dude.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. So I remember just, uh, I remember just like, playing this game with my friends and we were just trying to play together in like the same community on the same server. And I remember all the ones that we had previously joined they all just sucked. They were slow. They were lagging. They didn't really have the things that I wanted to do. And so it was just like a very casual thing. I was just like, all right. The next day, I just kind of Googled and I figured out how to start the server. And at first, it was just me and some of my friends that I had met. and We were just playing. And then eventually, we decided to open it up to the public. And that's where it kind of really took on a life of its own. That's where we got a lot of people in our community that began to contribute ideas, features. Eventually we began to hire people. We made like a little online store. Eventually people started to buy things like uh, with different micro digital transactions through the game. Um, And, uh, and yeah, I mean that, that's really how it began to, uh, to, to start. It took on again, a whole life of its own. I think at one point on our staff team, we had like 40 people. Um, we had multiple servers. We had like a whole network. We had like a clothing line. Uh, we like partnered with a nonprofit to like help them raise money for like a summer.
0: It was just a really, it was a
1: blast, man. It was super, super interesting. And it's, uh, it's funny because I don't, um, I don't really play Minecraft today. Uh, I don't really play too many video games, but a lot of those same early elements that I had learned early on are like the same exact, uh modalities that i use today to grow like marketing wise business wise so it was like a quite an early little lesson at least professionally speaking and also personally speaking too definitely so it was interesting. i mean
0: it sounds like from what you've said there mark that you you had the issue with the game lag and the game problems and slow fix and things like that that you you then utilized your own system it sounds like you built up your own minecraft community you started hiring guys and yeah, made it made it a success from from your own version of it, which sounds awesome. So were there any, I guess there were a whole bunch of um, business lessons that you learned. How long were you doing that for, Mark? And you must have learned stuff pretty quickly in terms of being able to monetize things, being able to hire people, being able to earn money and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, so I started from 2013, November of 2013. And I um, not got rid of it, but I uh, I don't own it anymore. Uh, And I gave that up in about the beginning of 2019, actually, even though I wasn't managing it previously, I had someone else managing it, but I was just, it's time for me to move on. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I learned so many things. I learned the reality of what it means to actually run a business in terms of like, especially if you have like a, a bigger business or just people that look up to you and you have a community and something goes wrong. I mean, that is terrifying and i had to like i remember so many times where yeah i mean obviously it wasn't like life or death but there were a lot of times where it was me staying up all night trying to fix these issues it was me waking up in the morning and first thing i did when i wake up is go check to see w- what things were happening you know so like there were so sure. many different fires that i had to put out and it just um you know just kind of taught me the the humility and the radical truth of just what it means to be a, uh, an entrepreneur, whether you take it. I think probably the second thing that I've learned is that, um, you know, I, I found that the real, especially if, you were, if you're like just starting out a business and it's like just you, but even more so when you have employees, I think the real growth of your business has to do with the growth of who you are as a operator, as an owner, when it comes to your psychology, when it comes to your health, when it comes to your mindset, a lot of these things. And there were many times where I kind of realized like, if I had focused on myself a little bit more, like when it came to my, my health, physical, my mental health, I probably would have been able to do better things and bigger things. But I think a lot of us, especially as entrepreneurs, we, we get in this very narrow angle of like just developing our business and not developing ourselves. And the reality is, is those two are heavily, heavily correlated. It's almost like a mirror. And so if you're neglecting one or the other, then you're not going to see, you know, a tremendous amount of growth. And like on my podcast, for example, I've had on people from like the co-founder of Netflix. To billionaires, to really, really successful entrepreneurs and businessmen and women who have told me that that's the truth of like so many times where they could have felt like they could have done more in the long term if they just stopped, rested, maybe learned, researched, and figured out how do I best put myself in a psychologically, in a physically, in a mentally, in an emotionally and spiritually healthier way because that growth is directly correlated to the growth of your business. And so a lot of it has to do with a lot of things that I talk about now, like the book that I wrote called uh, Screw Being Shy. It's all about how, to, how do you be yourself in front of other people, uh, people who struggle with shyness, social anxiety. Uh, it talks a lot on mental health. Um, I've had a lot of um, like business entrepreneurs endorse my book and say that it's a good blueprint for the average entrepreneur's mental health because, um, you know, the really interesting part was at the time where I was probably making the most money younger, that was also probably when I was running into the biggest, uh, kind of underlying emotional issues because, um, Got it. you know, eventually I think, I think we're all born as humans and we're all trying to find our version of success. And sometimes that gets very narrowly defined in maybe our business success, or maybe, you know, if we have a significant partner, but I think a lot of us neglect some of these other things that just make us human, that really impact our performance on a day-to-day basis, deep down. And so, you know, those lessons that I learned early on where even though I was a kid, but I saw different parts of my health deteriorate despite the fact that I was successful has really taught me now the importance of that. And you know, I'm just trying my best. And hopefully, in the future, as I get more successful, <laughs> I don't forget that. So I <laughs> love, it. Important love it. And I
0: love what you've just said there, Mark, developing yourself as well as your business. So I think most of us at times have been guilty on just thinking that we've got a certain project or a certain sale or something we're so focused on doing but at the same time, we forget about our own health. So we might skip going out for a run, skip going out for a gym, skip going out for a walk or, or something like that or skip a meal. And it's easily yeah. done, isn't it? When you're so focused on getting something done, then you don't realize you're becoming tired or lethargic or you're getting hungry, you're getting thirsty. So I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really great point. Well made. Okay. So you did this Minecraft business. Sound like that went pretty good. And then you passed that over, did you, and moved on to something else? So what was next, Mark?
1: Yeah, I passed it on, moved it on to something else. And um the next business that I started from that was a marketing agency that specifically focused on uh businesses in the exponential technology sector. So companies okay. in uh virtual reality, augmented reality, uh blockchain, IoT, AI. And, um, you know, that's, that's pivoted. We've shifted that from, from what that is, but that was the other business that I started in 2016. So it was about three, four years after that Minecraft server. And, uh, you know, major part of that was because one, I, um, I, I love technology in the sense of, um, you know, I, I like, if you, I feel like if you study human history and you look at overall What has improved the life of the average human? uh, A large part of that has to do with the various distribution of technology, and I'm super interested about that, especially how that can interplay with our mind. So I I have that passion, and then also um, when I kind of looked at what I had been doing for the past uh, ten years, I mean a lot of it was was marketing. Uh, I remember I had a like a website and like way early, like in 2008 uh, I was on social media. I was freelancing. I was trying to find ways to make money online. And today, whether it's like via my podcast or, um, or, or like my speaking career or my book or the, or anything I'm trying to promote, a lot of these like marketing fundamentals that I've learned have just come from me doing it and failing and experimenting. Through the last ten years, and so I definitely consider myself a marketer, and I just try to, um, you know, use those skills to the best of my ability towards uh, conscious businesses and organizations. Um, and so, yeah, the, I started a marketing agency uh, a little bit after that. I ended up starting my podcast um, a little bit after that. I ended up, you know, kind of going into a thousand different sure. things, and these into so- open paths.
0: Yeah, before we kind of get to the, the present day, Mark, um, are there any, so you, you mentioned that you were, you were freelancing a bit, you were doing various gigs to earn money, um, are there any lessons in marketing perhaps that you could share with us, maybe you did in the virtual reality company, or you said you, you like to go into things head first, so you like to start doing it and then learn as you go, so any, um, any uh, business lessons or marketing lessons that you could share with us on that front before we move into how you started the podcast?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, this is the lesson that I've learned, but I have heard it um, said in in the right language by uh, Seth Godin. Uh, Seth Godin, obviously, marketing business legend. I've interviewed him on my podcast, a great guy. And he says that the difference between a freelancer who makes $5 an hour versus like a top like world expert that can make like $5,000 an hour or more than that is their story, is how they frame themselves in the sense of when people buy into you, they don't just buy into the skills that you can give them. They buy into what it has taken for you to learn those skills. And a lot of companies are willing to pay a lot more money To get that credibility, to get that truth, to get that story from someone who has been able to kind of do it in their own way. And, you know, that's a topic I'm super interested about talking about even more because, um, you know, I was freelancing way early on when nobody knew who I was, just like making websites, uh, making apps. Eventually, I got into social media and stuff. And uh, it was a good start, but I was making you know, dollars, you know, pennies on the dollar. And now today it's super interesting to see a lot of other freelancers kind of just getting into the market, especially if there is, um, you know, economic insecurity where people are trying to develop more than one income stream and just trying to find a way for people to, you know, how do you make a brand off that? You know, how do you go from someone who is just selling hours of your time to do these skills, kind of more black and white work, to developing a brand, gaining credibility, becoming a world top expert, and then being able to command that top dollar. So that's been a major um, interest of mine, like lately since like the last uh, month or two. But um, but yeah, that's definitely a key key lesson that I have learned, uh, and especially for younger people too. Like I feel like a lot of people, whether you're in your 20s or 30s. A lot of us think that um, whether it's due to our past, a lot of us think that there's no way we could get to the top of our industry or the top of our field unless we're like 40s, 50s, 60s. And that's just not the truth. You know, the reality is, is that the world cares about results. And if you can actually give people results, people don't care how old you are, you know? And so that's been a major lesson I've been trying to get out there in terms of like the marketing kind of freelance world. Love it,
0: love it. Um, yeah, I mean, storytelling's, of course, a huge thing in business, a huge thing in sales. If you can paint a vivid picture in people's minds of what you're offering, it just helps them get an understanding of it so much better. Is that something you like to do, Mark, when you're doing business in terms of building stories with prospective customers or people that you're, you're perhaps signing up for advertisement for your podcast or those kind of things?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, so one of the things that I do is I run this uh, podcast acceleration program where I help someone start a podcast. I, I have clients of mine that um, uh, have podcasts that are in like the top 20 of their industry and then also help podcasters grow their already existing show. And, um, and when I actually look at it, a lot of my clients are introverts. A lot of my clients are introverts just like I am. And a major part of that is, um, helping them like be able to tell their story. And I've had on people who I've, I've had on clients who have literally been, uh, uh, I have this one client who's actually a billionaire in the UK and she's, she has like so many different kinds of successes, but she's never really told her, her story. And even someone like that, where they are an older gentleman or lady who have a lot of business success a lot of them, when it comes to like storytelling, it seems almost pretty foreign. And so honestly, when it comes to that and kind of sharing it online, I really do think that's a skill that someone has got to develop because unless you grew up as like a great storyteller, being able to take people down a vivid path, like you said, it it's a very much a muscle that you have to build in. And a lot of people, out, like a lot of my clients that are multimillionaires, a lot of them are extremely successful, but now they're in the spot of like, Hey, I've made the money that I want to make. Now I'm like trying to spread this message. I'm trying to spread this movement. And a lot of the times you cannot do that unless the people know the story behind the person, because whenever, you know, what I tell people is it's not about just like randomly talking about yourself on the internet. You know, it's not about randomly sharing stories of yourself, The one rule is share your story if it can help someone else. The same way that when I kind of felt myself in a not so great time in my life, I was able to look at other people's stories who were in my position, who were able to find their own path to climb out of that. And whether you can copy different elements or get inspired by that, that is a major way of how human beings have been sharing data, facts, statistics, uh, knowledge through the vehicle of stories, and so that's a major part of what it is I do for sure.
0: 100%. That's really interesting, man. And I've I've been looking at some of your LinkedIn posts and some of the content that you put out, and it's really well structured. It's really well put together, but most importantly, it gets huge engagement. So yeah. would you say that's come down to the fact that you have interviewed these experts? Were these the one that were these the people that gave you this this skill, or is it something you honed in yourself by? reading books perhaps or by listening to podcasts or by watching videos what helped you to hone in on those skills you could perhaps share with our audience
1: yeah that's a that's a beautiful question man um i think i think it's i think think it's a an accumulation of everything you said um you know i uh, i think it comes from trial and error by myself just in my own life i think it comes from uh, reading a lot of books. I remember when I was a kid, I used to write a lot of fiction, uh, not nonfiction. And so I feel like if you have some grasp on being able to live in a different world that you that you that you read in like a comic book or you watch in a movie, um, you can take a lot of these elements and bring them in. And like I know a lot of uh, my friends who are marketers, who are like world class marketers who have said like some of the best books that you can read to learn how to market yourself better are non, are fiction books, excuse me, are books that are they're like these mystical worlds and stories. And so obviously you need a mix of that. And then also nonfiction books, you know? So, um, you know, reading books by people like Seth Godin, um, and people like that that can help you teach your story. Super, super interesting. And I honestly think the biggest thing is just, um, is just experimentation. You know, I've been posting mostly sure. every single day on LinkedIn ever since 2017. And not always I talk about my story. Sometimes I talk about other people's stories. Sometimes I don't talk about my story at all. Um, and so that that can come hand in hand. I think one part is uh, for sure, like my story and the content of my post. I think that's a major part of it. But then I also think that there are a lot of... Um, like more tactical things, more tactical strategies that you can do uh, specifically on, on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm a LinkedIn strategist. I also uh, have a course on LinkedIn that people can take. And I kind of walk through how I've been able to um, really build this significant platform because LinkedIn for me has probably been the number one grower of my podcast. It's probably been the number one grower of my business. And quite frankly, it's probably been the number one grower of all my relationships. Like some of the most important people in my life now from business partners to major clients, to, to just friends that I've met have come from LinkedIn. And so, yeah, it's such a powerful platform for sure. I can relate to
0: that so much, man. Um, like you say, it's such a good place now to connect with people and it's how I got in touch with you to get you on the podcast. It's how I get most of my guests. Nice. So without that platform, I'd be, um, pretty screwed, let's say. So, so moving on, Mark, I'd love to know, and I'm sure the everyone tuning in would love to know a bit more behind why you started your podcast and how you've been able to build up to the success that it is now.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. So what I was telling you before is um, I kind of began to gain some uh, external financial success in about 2013, 2014. Uh, personally speaking, that made me actually way more confused. And by the time 2015 came, I was um, trying to live my life, but I fell down a pretty dark spiral. In my life where um, I became, I got obese. Uh, my lifelong social anxiety that I always had kind of transformed into social isolation. I began to get depressed for the first time in my life, and and actually, I uh, at one point was uh, suicidal. And so that for me was like a rock bottom in my life in 2015. And eventually, I. I was able to climb out of it. 2016, like I said, towards the end of that year, I started my business. And in the middle of 2017, that is where I got the idea to start my podcast. And the reason why was because I was just starting to live kind of like this new version of my life that I call it. I was trying to move on my own path, be my authentic self, be healthy from a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint. And um, you know, for anyone else who's also on that journey, it can be extremely hard, but it's also very rewarding and fulfilling. And so I was smack dab in the middle of that journey and I, I was just having a ton of problems in many different areas of my life, in terms of my health, in terms of my relationships, in terms of my business that I didn't know how to solve. And so just looking back on my life, I learned that other than doing and experimenting, one of the most powerful ways to learn something is to have a one-on-one conversation with someone who can sit down with you and they can teach you what they've done, who is an expert or who is someone who has ample experience and their own story can kind of reflect Mm -hmm. yours. And so honestly, I just started my podcast as a way to get me around those people. And like, if you look at my podcast, I go through, like different waves of like, you know, I I got into meditation. And then I reached out to like the 10 top world experts on meditation. And I asked them, how do you meditate? I got into nutrition and using the power of food uh, for performance and mental health. Then I interviewed the top doctors and neuroscientists and um, nutritional psychologists that talk about these things. And so really for me, my podcast really started as just like my own exploration, self-development tool. And then obviously throughout the years, it's definitely helped me when it comes to like building out my brand, helping me market any kind of idea or my book or a service that I want to put out there. And so, yeah, I really just started it just for like the very uh, selfish purpose of trying to help myself. But as you continue to do that, And you get people to listen. Then eventually, people say, "You know, I I struggled with these same issues, and I listened to your podcast episode with this person, and it helped me rethink things." And so, it also became almost like a um like a system or a journey that other people can join in on and learn the same things that I was learning, and kind of do their kind of like start their own version of a path. And so, yeah, now it's just kind of taking on a life of its own. Now it's like this crazy thing. But back then, the only reason why I started it was just to, just to learn myself, like to create my own little education system because I felt like I didn't have the resources around myself to do it at that time.
0: No, that's a great story, man. So it started off really for your own, like you say, one-to-one interviews with people and really topics that you wanted to learn more about yourself. And it sounds yeah. like from there, it started growing. People started reaching out to you with similar experiences, asking you questions, which is great. So where when came the point, Mark, when you thought I could actually make a, a business out of this, or I could start promoting my other service, my other products? When was that stage? Yeah, and how long? How far in we?
1: Yeah, so so I remember my podcast really began to blow up and pop uh, towards the end of 2018, and that was the time where I just really began to just understand its potential. You know, I had different uh, people who were reaching out to me. I had different fortune 500 companies who are reaching out to me, asking me how, you know, how do I do this? Can they hire me to do that? People more interested about like me. Cause you know, even at that time, I really didn't talk that much about myself. And it was only until I had so many people asking me like, wait, who are you? You know, like what, why are you doing this? And so when that kind of stuff happened in 2019, like just last year, that is really where, um, I was able to integrate the podcast in many different business professional areas um, in my life. You know, at first it kind of came through me just not even talking about it and people just coming to me and saying like, you know, your podcast has taken off. Can you help my company do this? Can you help me start my own podcast? Or I have a podcast, but I don't know how to take it and scale it to the next level. And so some of it just kind of came organically, but it really wasn't until... Um, the beginning of 2019 where a lot of companies just started to reach out to me, to hire me, to be a speaker like all over the world. That's why I was in uh, like before we were chatting, that's why I was in London last year. Got it. Um, all right. And then, and then that with that comes, you know, you meeting a lot of business leaders, a lot of CEOs of a lot of uh, major companies asking you to do that too. And so it kind of like very much just happened organically. And then as the months have passed by, and that's when i started to kind of formalize more things i created the podcast accelerator um i cr- kind of created that linkedin course uh and i sort sure. of began to help people in the more public eye uh about this for sure so and
0: and were you in the early stages, Mark, were you marketing the podcast much yourself? Were you ramping it up on LinkedIn and promoting it there or other social channels? Were you doing things like email marketing to be able to get to a stage where a lot of people knew about the podcast and then they eventually started reaching out to you?
1: Yeah. So honestly, the, the, biggest, the biggest marketing that I really took on was probably two things. Uh, one was at the beginning of 2018, I remember just looking at the state of my podcast and I had like just kind of started at this time. I wasn't really taking it seriously. And I remember just like thinking to myself, like, you know, I I enjoy doing this a lot. And I remember looking out there at the other podcasts who had also started podcasts. And what I realized was nobody was really taking this podcast uh, thing seriously. A lot of companies had, um, just sort of started it just to have sort of another arm in their marketing department, which is totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. Everyone has different priorities and goals. But I realized the people who were taking it seriously, everybody knew about them. And so the beginning of 2018, I remember I had this moment with myself where I was like, I really got to start taking this podcast seriously. And that's when I remember like learning about LinkedIn. I remember getting more serious about it in the sense of, I started to reach out to more guests. I started to um, uh, like upload episodes much more frequently. I went from like doing one every two weeks to doing three every week to then eventually raising that even more. And it was eventually like just through that frequency, through me putting the reps and then also using LinkedIn as both, um you know, like what you said, both a reach out, like reaching out to people. Because what I realized was... um a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who have big brands, they may have like 500,000 followers on Instagram, or they may have a million or two, but they probably only have like 25,000 or 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. And so I really used LinkedIn as a backdoor entrance to get me in touch with a lot of uh, really influential people, at least the beginning. Now LinkedIn is like much more saturated. There's a lot more people on there now. So now it's a little hard, but this still stands true. And then I just began to like promote it like every single day in like a very organic way in the sense of like, I, I interviewed someone who was a LinkedIn expert, like way early on. And I was like, Hey guys, here are three tips that I broken down and distilled from my podcast interview. And so I, it was very much just like, me highlighting other people's stories, me highlighting other people's expertise throughout the years that eventually then, like I said, people then began to ask me like, wait, who are you? And then I would, you know, have um have my team make like different um like little podcast video snippets. I had my team kind of break down like this very um like intellectual information heavy information into like visually appealing pictures that I could post on my LinkedIn and my Instagram. Um, And so it was, it was a lot of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, probably the the first time where I'd say I, uh, I really saw a lot of uh, impact on LinkedIn, so to speak, was, remember it was after I interviewed Seth Godin. And I remember I put up uh, a little micro video of like 60 seconds of him talking about, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like the education system or something. And I remember I put that up on there and that video just totally blew up. I remember it had something like, something like 750,000 views, like thousands of likes. And the really interesting part about that wasn't just the fact that it it got a ton of attention, but it was the fact that I had people who had, who reached out to me who weren't even connected with me at all, who sent me screenshots of their phone of they were connected to Seth Godin. They were in Seth Godin's network. And eventually what I learned about LinkedIn is if you tag someone in your video, even if they don't see it, even if they don't respond to it, then LinkedIn will eventually show people in Seth Godin's network, the video that they were tagged in that I posted. And so all of a sudden I had these major... Business leaders, these CMOs, these massive marketers reach out to me because they all knew Seth Godin. And now some of them were more curious and interested about learning about me. And so that for me was really where I began to realize the power of LinkedIn. And then I just like went all in. And like today, I, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook, but LinkedIn for me is the main thing because. I would rather just, um, you know, of, of course, take an omni-channel approach to everything, just so I can sure. be in many spots. But really, I, you know, especially if you have limited resources, if you go all in and you become well known in that area, then you can use that to grow your other channels, your email, your podcast too. Um, and then the other thing that I'll say is that um, the podcast was really an invaluable marketing tool in the sense of, let's say I post, let's say I post on LinkedIn or I post on Instagram. And obviously I don't own those platforms. So if the algorithm changes, maybe my followers don't see my post. They don't see my message, but obviously on email, you don't have that. And on podcasting too, when someone hits the subscribe to your show, they're listening to your episodes, even if they don't even check their social media. And so it just becomes a sort of another off channel approach that isn't connected to social media where people can still be reminded of your message and your content. So, um, love it. And yeah. And, and the last thing I say, if I can, um, I, you know, I, I know a lot of podcasters who, um, have way bigger podcasts than me who are, uh, who have way bigger shows than me who are really at the top level. And I've had a lot of chats with them and really the number one way to grow your podcast is to actually be a good host. And what I mean by that is like podcasting is one of those things where even if you walk in to this industry with a massive budget to put behind paid advertising, that's only going to go so far if your podcast episodes suck. And the number one, like the best form of marketing is word of mouth. And so really people only share podcasts when they listen to it, they realize that the host knows what they're talking about. They actually care about what they're doing. They've like done the research on the guest and then they it makes for a good interview. And then that person goes and tells their friends about it. You know, that's how all podcasts grow at the end of the day. And like, that's how you've seen, like there have been many billion dollar companies who have stepped into the podcasting, who have thrown up a ton of money behind it, but yet it's still not as big as my podcast, for example, or other people's podcasts because they just, their host just doesn't have the the heart. They don't have the mind. They don't have the the humility, the spirit that actually shows people behind it. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, can, it can be tactful, but then a lot of it is just like, what are you actually talking about? How are you seeing it on your show? So all that stuff kind of comes in together.
0: Great stuff, Mark. You've dropped some absolute gold there, my friend. So in terms of LinkedIn and in terms of podcasting, a few things I'd love to, Discuss a little further. The first point you made about LinkedIn being a backdoor entrance—I love that—and um, I'd agree. Actually, even though at the time this episode will go out will be within fifty episodes dropped, but we've been nice. fortunate enough to get some really big guests um, in sh- in a short space of time, and nearly—I'd say probably ninety-nine percent of the guests that I've managed to get on here was all through LinkedIn. So literally connecting nice. with them, a personalized request, and and going yes. from there, really, or utilizing the network that I already had. To, to get an intro to then connect with the guest. Um, so we've been very, yeah. very fortunate on that front. And like you said, a lot, of, um, a lot of people or a lot of let's say famous people or well-known people that you might want to get onto your own podcast for anyone tuning in may have a huge following on Facebook, a huge following on Instagram, but quite a lot of them have quite a smaller network on net, uh, LinkedIn, even today. So.
1: Yeah, and the really interesting part too is like, um, I love what you said about personalizing the connection request, that's so important. But another part of it, too, is just the fact that um, even though they may not have that many followers, a lot of these people have like their assistant or their business manager looking at their LinkedIn accounts because a lot of them get business inquiries for speaking or through other means through LinkedIn because that's where a lot of the business world is. And so there's a good chance that they will see your message even if that's not where they have the most amount of followers. So that's that's invaluable. I love that you said that. Sam. Love
0: that. Love that. And in terms of podcast, you raised another good point. You can chuck all the money, sh- shovel all the money you want into paid ads. But if if the content's no good, it's, it's not going to get anywhere, which I completely agree with. Have you got any tips for anyone that's aspiring to be a, a podcaster or anyone who's just set up their own podcast on how they can actually make the content decent this might help yeah. me as well mark so is, is it about asking good questions is it about being upbeat is it about being curious or what would you say is the the way to go
1: yeah so th- there are a few things um one i would say to realize that you're probably not going to become the next gary v or like the next joe rogan um, and so a lot of people just start podcasts just like in hopes of one day of like making like some massive, massive audience that could happen. That's probably not going to happen. And so I think the best way to look at it is a tool. So if you can look at yourself and kind of be like, what, what vehicle am I using this podcast as? Like, what is, what am I trying to get with it? Then I think that you'll have some directed approach to begin to use your podcast to achieve your goals. The other thing that I would say is, and I would say to do as much research on your podcast guests as humanly possible. And the reason why is because I've had on some podcast guests that I've had them on my show and we've done an interview. And a lot of these different episodes are the, in some industries, in some groups of people, those are the interviews that put me on their map. And the reason why is because it's not because of the guest, you know, it's not because of the fact that you interviewed Seth Godin because he goes on a lot of podcasts. It's the fact of what did you guys actually talk about? And that is based on how you know them and the research. And so for me, you know, any, any podcast guest that I have on, I always try to read their book. I always try to, you know, watch or listen to their Ted talk. I always try to take their course, I always try to just do as much as I possibly can with the restraints and the resources that I have to understand them as much as possible. Because what I've learned is, and I've, I've like just sort of learned this recently when my book came out and I kind of went on the, the press circuit and rounds and I had so many people interviewing me where you really do understand that um, some people interview you and they actually know you and they actually care about the conversation. And there are other people that just interview you just for the sake of interviewing you for marketing to who uh, to like put their name next to yours. And the reality is, is that your guest can tell, especially if they're someone who is well-known someone who has been around the block, so to speak. And so depending on what side they perceive from you, that will depend on what and how the interview goes. If you come at it from just a, that press marketing angle they're going to give you very shallow answers that they always give that they give on every single interview. And so if someone knows who they are, they're listening to it. Even if you've had on the best guest, that interview is not going to stick out. But if you can sort of get to that person and like kind of like help them realize that, then that's super powerful. Like, so for example, uh, on my show, a question that I ask my guests beforehand, before we start recording, and I learned this from Lewis Howes, is, um, is there anything in your mind that would make this podcast episode interview extremely powerful for my audience? And whether that's like a specific thing or just to set the intention in their mind, that really helps. And like, I've had people who have said like, dude, I've been interviewed like six times by Forbes and they have never asked me that. And so when you say that, you say something that can convey intention towards your guests, they automatically know that, okay, this is going to be a different kind of interview. I'm actually going to reveal the authentic version of myself. And that's how you get amazing, great content. So that's like one of the best ways that I would kind of say to someone, if they want to start a podcast and the best way to do it.
0: Got it, so do as much research as possible. It sounds like, so whether that's reading their book, reading articles on about them online, doing their courses whatever the, whatever material they 've got to offer, then making sure you get stuck in and really understand the work they 've done and a bit more about that person
1: yeah and, and, and it's hard, you know like there's a reason why most people don't do it you know i like I would be lying if I said i 've done that to every single one of my guests, you know like that's just the reality of, work, right? of a human nature too, and like, I think the last thing that I'd say too is like listen to other podcast interviews that they have been on and you can kind of see what they've talked about in the past, what they're um, used to talking about. Um, You can see if an interview went well or didn't go well, depending on the questions. And so at minimum, listen to other interviews and then don't just copy the interview try to find like your own unique path to that interview. So if that made sense.
0: Makes perfect sense, man. So do proper research as much as you can by the sounds of it and set a tone so you've you've put down a really good question there that i've just made a note of is there anything in your mind that would make this interview extremely powerful that's a really great question i'm gonna steal that if you don't mind and i'm sure many people tuning in will
1: (laughs) (laughs) of course man and and yeah some people will give you specific answers and they'll say you know what yeah this has been top of mind and some other people will say you know kind of no and and like that's where you kind of say um you know, this question is more or less to set the intention of what we're going to be doing. And, and like the really interesting part about that too, that's so important is, especially if you're doing these things like virtually too, um, you don't know what was on my calendar before or after this. You know, you don't know if I just came out of like a super intense business meeting or if I have just been doing nothing all day. And so some people's minds may be in a totally different spot than actually interviewing. But when you ask that question in the beginning, it just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, let me like actually focus on what we're going to be doing here for the next 45 minutes so that it's meaningful and it actually makes it worthy for your audience and for my time too. So that's a massive piece of it too.
0: Love it, love it. Okay, um, Mark, you've dropped some absolute value bombs so far and we're coming close to the end. Before that, I want to know, and I'm sure everyone tuning in would like to know, how did you go about it? It sounded like Seth Godin was perhaps one of the biggest guests you got on first, correct me if I'm wrong, that then caused a ripple effect, That then these bigger yeah. guests, because you said you put that video on LinkedIn, that blew up, got nearly a million views or so. All these people started connecting with you, getting in touch, saying, look, Mark, we want to go on your show. Um,
1: so how did you get him on? Let's, let's, let's hear yeah. the secret, man, if we may. yeah, this is, this is it, man. So I remember, so I remember, um, I interviewed someone that day and this guy was a well-seasoned podcaster, very well known. And he was telling me that, um, he was telling me that, like, I was kind of asking him, like, how do you get on big guests? That was like my general question. And he kind of like ran me through some different scenarios of previous guests and previous stories that he's had on. And he told me that, in order to have Seth Godin on his show, Seth told him that he needed to have like a minimum of like 400 episodes. And then also he had to email Seth and like ask him like 50 different times throughout like the course of three years. And I remember just like thinking about that. And after the interview was done, I remember just like looking back and just being like, you know what? I'm going to try to go for this. And I think my show was at like, I think I had done like a hundred episodes or like it was just under that or it was like 80 or something. I'm not sure. And I remember just sat down. I whipped out my laptop. I started writing this email to Seth Godin and I told him, you know, Hey Seth, I, um, big fan of your work. You know, I remember when I read this book of yours, it totally changed how I represented myself on the internet. And, um, I had this podcast and I've interviewed, um, this person, th- that person, and this person who I know, know Seth Godin, like our friends with him in real life, who I've had on my show. And then I like, just told them just like a little bit about like myself, like a little bit about my background. And I remember he responded back in like 17 minutes and he said, Yeah, let's do it. Are you free tomorrow at like eleven? I was like, all right, (laughs) let's do it. And so it was like a very like quick, immediate thing. And and I think the real thing that I realized right then and there was just the power of like cause and effect. Of like I had heard this idea from this one guy, I then took this idea and I just I just did it. I just wrote it out, and then I got an immediate answer fifteen minutes later. And then the next day I interviewed him, and so it was very much just like a. uh, Anything is possible. You can have anyone on your show. You can do anything. All you have to do is you have to go for it. You have to learn a little bit. You have to be smart about it. You have to do your research, and you also have to realize that it's gonna be yeses and no's. You know, if Seth Godin didn't say yes to me, um, I'm sure he would have said yes at some other point. You know, who knows? Maybe after 400 episodes. But um, but but that's really it. It really taught me that that all these things are kind of possible. And yeah, I mean, ever since then, I've had on a ton of crazy well-known guests that are actually worth their weight and worth their salt for, for what they speak on. And so, yeah, it's been a crazy journey, but that for me was like the first thing that just taught my brain of like, okay, you can, you can do anything on your podcast.
0: Awesome, man. And it sounded like that email that you put together had a bit of everything. It sounded like it told a bit of your story. It taught, it had things that um, Seth could perhaps relate to because you knew guests or you had guests on your show that he was actually connected to and yeah just dropped all these different different bits and pieces about what you've done how you can bring him on and guests that he could relate to and then he replied quickly so obviously did the <laughs> trick and yeah no, I can completely agree that you've got here a certain amount of names before you hear a yes and that's that's more likely to be the case with the more reputable people and the more well-known people you're, you're reaching out for. Um, and that, that makes perfect sense. Okay, man. Well, yeah, we've, we've learned some great stuff in terms of how you've been able to, to scale your own business, how you have scaled your podcast and how you've got, got to where you are now. I'd love to learn a bit more about the book. Perhaps we can talk about that at the end. But I'm aware that we're getting close to time now. So in terms of habits, Mark, are there any daily habits that you've got yourself or any that you try and stick to that you think have been important to, to your self-development or to your success?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I live in uh, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, so it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the U.K. at times, where things can be cloudy. But the best thing I've learned is uh, as early as you can, if you can go for a walk in the morning, in the sunlight, preferably, ideally without you like checking every single email and every single social media platform first, and just kind of like giving your body and your brain. Uh, space to, to express, to walk, to, to move. I find that really helps calibrate my mind. Um, the second thing is um, your food nutrition. I mean, I think a lot of people um underlook this, so they just kind of briefly uh, mention it in like exercise and a healthy diet. Um, I honestly think that what you put in your mouth is probably the top three decisions that you'll make throughout your entire day. And I'm someone who has studied a lot about neuroscience, about mental health. And the craziest part is that a lot of the things that we do have a lot to do with uh, our brain and different neurotransmitters that are firing. Uh, this, this is talked about by leaders to, to mental health professionals. And uh, a key neurotransmitter that is responsible for controlling our mood controlling our appetite, our sleep, how we talk to other people is called serotonin. And the really interesting part about this chemical is that 90% of it isn't even in your brain. 90% of it is in this thing called your gut microbiome, which is when you eat food, that is the first system that processes it. And then it sends it off to the rest of your body to digest and process. And so when you actually look like underneath the surface of mental health, a major part of this neurotransmitter controls our mental health. And that is largely predicated on the foods that we eat. And the really interesting part about this, unfortunately, is that, so for example, in Europe, the European Union has like banned over 500 different uh, chemical additives, uh, uh, processed ingredients that food manufacturers are not allowed to put in their food. But yet, if you go to America, all those things are in those supermarkets. And the worst part about it is it's by the same companies. They just make a version for Europe and they make a version for America. And so staying clear of those processed ingredients, um, if you're susceptible to these issues, especially early on, can be extremely detrimental for your mental health. And for me, kind of the chapter where I talk about this in my book is called uh, first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And I talk about the time where, when I really fell down mentally, that was also where my gut microbiome and my physical health suffered. And so honestly, through talking to a lot of successful people, they all know this. They all have certain diet health regimens of things that they eat and things that they don't eat. And a good general rule of thumb is that there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet because we're all different. All of our guts are different, but staying clear of artificial chemicals, preservatives, that is a pretty good place to start. And in some places, depending on where you live, that can be easier or harder than others. And so, yeah, definitely food. Look at what you're eating in your mouth and definitely just try to incorporate some sort of uh, natural movement. You know, of course, we all know exercise is important, sure. but implementing some sort of a natural movement where, like, you're not sitting down all day. In, like, throughout all your meetings for four hours. Like, you have to get up every while and take a short walk, maybe do some push ups, some jumping jacks, because that's how we were all evolutionary created. And if you do that, that'll set you up for high performance. Um, and yeah, last thing I'll say about the book is um, Screw Being Shy. People can get it on uh, Amazon, of course, uh, Barnes and Noble's. Um, the audiobook, the audible version, is going to be out within the month or so. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting uh, book that I've gotten to be able to put together, my first book ever. It's gotten some great feedback, became a bestseller, has been endorsed from people who are uh, billionaires to uh, psychologists, to neuroscientists, to um, a lot of amazing people. So I'm super grateful and uh, I hope it's helpful for people who struggle with their mental health, who struggle with being themselves in front of other people
0: cheers mark and i think i'm gonna to have to start doing press-ups and jumping jacks between zoom calls because especially in the pandemic i found myself pretty much locked to my seat in back-to-back Dude. phone calls email zoom calls so i'm gonna have so to important. start getting down and walking the dog and doing jumping jacks and doing ups and press-ups every every half hour i reckon
1: it's so important man it's so important and you'll notice a difference too so yeah I'm man. Glad.
0: awesome Awesome stuff. So everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Mark, I'd like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why?
1: If I could thank anyone, honestly, you would probably be my sister, Maggie. Uh, She is a school teacher at a public school and um, you know, she has really taught me the power of what it's like when you are happy for other people. And I remember just all throughout my life, um, you know, she didn't tell me anything explicitly, but just seeing her behavior on a daily basis I think has really gave me the right fundamentals and the values that I have today that I don't even think about that just make me a good person. And so her for sure, my mom and dad eternally grateful for them because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them.
0: Awesome man. And tell us a bit more about the best way that people can connect with yourself and get in touch.
1: Of course, LinkedIn definitely. If you're going to connect with me, send me a personalized connection uh, request like Sam said um, but a good central spot is if people just go to my website, Markmetry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com, you'll all see links to, uh, my email, my podcast, the book, social media, everything. So that's a good spot. And, uh, Sam, thank you for having me on, man. This was killer. This is a great interview.
0: Cheers, Mark. Really appreciate it, man. Great to have you on.
1: Yeah, man. Great to have you. Great to be on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, dude. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.